the Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Mondays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. Now, here's your host, Jay Garvin. This segment is brought to you by Empire Title, Bill McAfee, your best of the best Colorado Springs gold winner. Well, welcome, radio and podcast listeners. I am Jay of the Jay Garvin Show, home and mortgage talk with my radio producer, Matt and I, coming to you one more time with a classic, timeless topic. I launched this podcast and radio show, and one of the very first conversations I had with you intimately was demographics in America. It's what brought me to radio. It is what has given me the energy all the years, over 400 shows and podcasts for you, all of which are available at Caradio.com, all of which are available on iTunes and Google Play, soon to be coming on Spotify. You can still get a hold of me personally at 719-330-1457 by a phone call or a text. I have an amazing team that I work with over at Garvin's Group of Churchill Mortgage and an amazing story behind each one of the team members there from Kay Frucci, who is my branch manager and was vice president when I owned Garvin's Mortgage Group. Also, I have uh, Ken and I have Sabrina and Carolyn and Lena and Mark and all these individuals along with myself are licensed mortgage professionals. I've been licensed since 2009 licensed as a mortgage originator since they required that change in 2009, and I've been originating mortgages since 1998, over 21 years now, almost 22 years, helping over 16,000 people through the process. Folks, I have seen more than 35,000 credit reports. I have sat down face-to-face knee-to-knee with over 1,000 couples personally for me and went through the process. Along the way, mortgage has changed a lot, and in fact, America has changed a lot. I have since got into investment property ownership, which I'll tell you later there is a sequel to this podcast and radio show today. Today, drumroll, Matt, I'm going to be bringing you... Demographics in America, a timeless topic. But I'm also going to have a part two of demographics in real estate. So I have a lot of history in real estate as well. I've owned 14 properties, flipped more than a half a dozen, and now I have eight properties that I own, seven of them investment property, two of them are being developed, five of them are being rented for long-term residual income with 15-year mortgages and a concept that I call the three little houses, and two, I'm developing into multifamily affordable housing. On top of that, as of late, I've got into land development, like I stated in my last two properties that I own in Lake George and in Woodland Park, Colorado. I've purchased a piece of land going through the administrative reassignment process from mixed-use commercial to mixed-use residential, turning a commercial property into eight residential affordable townhomes. 
So that's what I bring to the table with the 20 years of experience. But before all of that started, before the very first house my wife and I started to buy, I had a concept and a seed planted in my mind, an idea called Demographics in America. Again, you can call me at 719-330-1457. This podcast is meant to be informational for you, but it's also meant to be a glue, a gluing agent for you and I to build a friendship so then I can help you professionally with Garvin's Group of Churchill Mortgage, which you can go to churchillcolorado.com to get serviced in your next purchase or refinance transaction. I also want to bring you on as a listener so you can go ahead and benefit in the future from having more education, more information, and then more financial power in making your own family's decisions for retirement, for your budgets, and just your month-to-month living. Now, again, you can call me at 719-330-1457. But with that measure, I'm going to do the classic and traditional ribbon-cutting ceremony for demographics in America. See that? The clicking open of my energy drink. And as I set it down, Matt looks at the pile of books in front of me. And I'm going to start off by introducing you to the information that I gleaned from to put together this podcast and radio show. Mmm, that tastes good. So way back in 1999, in Worldwide Group, an organization that I was affiliated with, actually joined membership in 2000, and they're affiliated with the Amway organization, I got introduced to a whole bunch of entrepreneurs. And Worldwide Group, and a friend of mine by the name of Mike, and his friend by the name of Howie, actually introduced us to a friend of his by the name of Bill. And I saw Bill on several stages, Bill Hawkins is his name, out of the Midwest, out of Minnesota, he introduced me to a gentleman by the name of Harry S. Dent. And Harry Dent wrote a book, and you can get any and all of these. And again, call me at 719-330-1457, and I'll gladly give you a copy. And you and I can sit down, with or without real estate, with or without a mortgage, for just a simple hourly billing, and I can teach you all of this to build a platform of wealth becoming a millionaire through real estate off of these proven ideals. So the first book I read was The Roaring 2000s, and it literally read like Notre Dame as Harry Dent predicted almost everything that happened in The Roaring 2000s, and I'll explain that. I then next read The Next Bubble Boom, and Harry Dent wrote that in 2004, and I was very deep into my mentoring and building relationships and worldwide by then. And then it wasn't too far after, in 2008, that Harry Dent wrote a book called The Great Depression Ahead. And that was crazy, my friends, because I had five properties in 2004. And when I read this book in 2008, I said, oh, my God, there's actually going to be a mortgage collapse. If that mortgage collapse happens, then there's going to be real estate that people can't buy because Americans don't buy things for cash. And I sold all my real estate. And as an owner of a mortgage company, people laughed at me. And I was a renter by 2009. By 2012, people were not laughing. So then I read his next book, The Great Crash Ahead, And it really was a telltale for the entire Great Recession. And then I went ahead and picked up his book in 2014, The Demographic Cliff, and I said, oh, my God, the millennials are coming. So then I picked up other books. There's Clint Laurent that has a book that came out in 2013. I read it in 2015 where it says Tomorrow's World. 
a look at demographics and socioeconomic structure and spending of the world as far as 2032. Well, that's what I'm going to talk to you about today, demographics in America. I'm going to talk to you about what is demographics and how does it work and affect our U.S. economy. I'm going to talk about characteristics of each generation. And then I'm going to say, how do the generations of supply and demand consumption actually affect you? And how can you make great buying and selling and overall family budgeting decisions based on this crystal ball of information that I'll put together for you? So don't go anywhere. This is a timeless and ageless classic demographics in America. I'll return right after these important messages. The Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Mondays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back with your home mortgage Jedi, Jay Garvin's. This segment is brought to you by Arrow Moving and Storage. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Well, thanks for sticking with me. I am Jay. You're listening to the Jay Garvin Show and Podcast. Today I'm diving deep with more than a half a dozen pieces of paper front and back on demographics in America. And I'm going to cover three big things. First of all, I shared with you before that I was introduced to the concept of demographics in America and Harry Dent through Worldwide Group, through Mike and Howie, and specifically a gentleman by the name of Bill Hawkins. So I've taken this, and I thought I was going to create maybe a million-dollar portfolio on real estate by predicting what people were going to do and just doing it five or ten years ahead of them. And what I actually did is I came on this exact microphone, in 2012, January 28th of 2012, and I introduced myself to you, not anybody else listening, just you, and I said, please, would you just buy real estate, specifically buy real estate in Colorado, specifically buy real estate in Colorado Springs in the Pikes Peak region, and because I'm a boy, a kid, a man from the Midwest with a background from Wisconsin, a background in the military, as a medical pilot and a medical officer, I was going to do what I told people to do. And my wife and I bought real estate, and we didn't accidentally create a million-dollar portfolio of real estate. We created a $4 million portfolio of real estate with actually less than 10 pieces of property. And that was the bottom line for us. That didn't make us rich. That just made my wife and I free. We almost have all of the debt eliminated from that, less than a million dollars left, all on 15-year mortgages, as prescribed by one of my mentors and personal friends, Dave Ramsey. When I sold Garvin's Mortgage Group, I sold it to Churchill Mortgage. We partnered with Mike Hartwick, Matt Clark, Lawson Hartwick, and am now an owner, a partner, and we built this growing relationship of an already existing concept that I had of debt-free living. And what am I talking about today? I want to tell you what is demographics. How does it work? How does it affect the U.S.? What's the generational supply and demand and consumption? And the story around that is this. If you look at demographics in America, it basically just defines and individually breaks down 
supply and demand economies, big generation, small generation, and how do they work? The concept is this. Bill showed me through Harry S. Dent that these concepts, if they are researched, are absolutely accurate and true, almost to the point of a crystal ball. And here's an example. If you go on to a used car lot and there are 10 cars sitting on that lot, but just like in 2012, only five people walk on because the economy is not strong and there's more supply than there is demand, every single couple is going to walk off of that car lot with a brand new or used car and the dealership's going to have to give a great deal because there's more selection than there is people looking and the dealer's going to be a little bit sad because half of his inventory is still going to sit there. Now reverse or flip the coin. If you have 10 cars sitting on a lot and 20 individuals or couples walk on, you're going to have a very, very happy and motivated dealership because they're going to sell all of their cars fast. The couples are or individuals are going to be sad because only half of them are going to get cars and they're going to have to pay a premium price. It's the exact same thing with the stock market. It's the exact same thing that I did with real estate. It's actually the exact same thing with a product at Walmart, just dependent on if you want to go there at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or 11 o'clock in the evening on a Tuesday evening. You're going to have smaller crowds on Tuesday at 11 p.m. There's going to be more inventory in the shelves, and you're going to have less of a headache of an experience, where if you decide to go to Walmart at 11 a.m. on a Saturday, it is a circus. So I'm also going to look at the characteristics of each generation. And then thirdly, how do these generations through supply and demand and consumption drive our economy? And how can you study them and at least understand them enough so you can make wise financial decisions? Because here's the secret, folks. Americans aren't making wise financial decisions. More than 40% of Americans are one paycheck away from broke without the ability of even making a $500 emergency payment from cash after they're taken away from their work paychecks for a month. So this is information that's pertinent. Now what I want to start out with is what is demographics in America and how does it work? First of all, it's a fact and it's kind of fun research for me to know that there is generations in America People know them, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials. They're named. It's interesting. All of these different generations have similarities in the dates that they were born. They have similarities in the local, national, and international events that they experienced, whether it was someone landing on the moon, whether it was 9-11, or whether it was just the recent coronavirus. And then you have individual characteristics and habits commonalities of everybody in the generation, like, say, the silent generation, which I'm going to define, that experienced the Great Depression and World War II as children. That changed the way they thought. That changed the way they acted. Every one of us had a grandfather or grandmother who would lean down and bend nails straight or save the old pickle jars because they grew up in a time when there wasn't enough to live on for your family. So that became a characteristic. There's the baby boomers that were very spoiled, and they were given a lot of opportunity because the greatest generation came back from World War II and thought that they had missed so much that they were not going to pass that peril on to their children. And it gets deeper and deeper as you go. So what I'm going to do is start out. The youngest generation is actually Gen Z, or the I generation, like the iPhone. And those are individuals, and these dates and times vary. Basically, kids that are 0 to 19 years old, they're born from 2000 to 2020. Then, of course, you've got 
the millennials, which are one of the more popular generations right now because they're coming into mainstream and their sheer size, and they're 39 down to 20 years old. They're born from 1921 to 2000. Then you have my generation, the Gen Xers, born from 1965 to 1980. We're 40 to 55 years old. And then, of course, you have another boomingly popular generation, the baby boomers. This is the generation that is most precisely defined by date because their generation didn't start until World War II ended, which was in 1946 to 1964. They're 56 to 74 years old right now as of the cut of this podcast. The silent generation, my parents, were born from 1925 to 1945, and they're now 75 to 95 years old. And then, of course, we all least we remember the greatest generation or the GI generation or the World War II generation, and they're 96 to 120 years old. There's not many of this generation left alive. They were born from 1900 to 1925. And these are the generations, the six generations, specifically the five, the great generation, the silent, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, and the Gen Zs that I'm going to focus on. But we can't forget about the lost generation, which is the World War I fighters that are 1880 to 1900. You have the progressive generation or the missionary generation from 1860 to 1880. You have the Civil War generation from 1843 to 1859. You've got the Gilded Generation from 1822 to 1842, the Transcendental Generation from 1792 to 1821, and then, of course, you've got the Constitutional, the Independent, or the Great Nation Generation, the first one, 1776 to 1791. But what I want to share with you in a mind's eye of what these generations look like is that, see, the greatest generation all the way down to Gen Z flow in a pattern, as do the previous ones that I mentioned, that have a big generation, small generation, big generation, small generation handoff. That's why we have hot economies, soft economies, strong economies, weak economies. Because economies, especially in a capitalistic society, are all dependent on supply and demand and the creation and the marketing and the delivery of goods. So if you have the greatest generation that was about 60 million strong, very big generation compared to the lost generation, but then you had the silent generation right after them, which was only 61 million, which was very small and almost invisible. That's why they call it the silent generation. That's why they call it the traditionalists, the lost generation, things like that, because it was proportionately small. Then you have the baby boomers that were 78 million large, and they changed the world, not just United States and our booming economy from 1986 to 2006, but every country involved in World War II had a boom. All of Europe, all of Asia, the only two places in the world that weren't affected were South American Latino countries and in India. But then you have the Gen X, you have my generation that is only 46 million strong. I'm going to explain in this podcast, that's why we had the Great Recession. And those were some of the side effects of the feminist movement of contraception and Wade versus Roe. Because there was a lot of people in my generation that were never born. But most importantly today, which I'm going to focus on, is the millennials. This generation is not only as big as the baby boomers, but they are bigger. 87 million strong. And they are coming to market, folks. 
And it's not a simple 18 million more than the previous generation like the baby boomers were for the silent generation. They are 40 million more than the Gen Xers. So there is going to be an explosion if you just read the tea leaves and look through the crystal ball that will help you double, triple, quadruple any of the returns on any of your financial decisions based on that one fact. And then, of course, you have the Gen Z, which is still being born through this year. That is about 54 million babies and growing. So please don't go anywhere. I'm going to get into the specifics of what are the characteristics of each one of these generations. Who are the famous people from each generation? What am I going to tell you about the generations and what they're trying to do and how they progress through life? The most important thing that I want to share with you, if you picture these generations, you picture their sizes, big sizes, small sizes, you want to go ahead and look at when each generation is 40 to 60 years old in their primary earning years, that's where the most clues lie. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Jay Garvin Show and podcast, and I'm going to be back and have 15 full minutes to share the meat of the conversation with you. You're listening to The Jay Garvin Show and podcast. The Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Mondays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back. Now, here's Jay Garvin's. Hey, where's the beef? Jay Garvin's here, host of the Jay Garvin Show and podcast, continuing my conversation on demographics in America. I shared with you my history with the demographics in America and all of the information I received from Harry S. Dent. I talked to you that I'd go through what is demographics by definition, what are the characteristics of each generation that makes up demographics, and then how do these demographics and supply and demand consumption affect you, and why do you even know it? And here's some examples. Imagine it was in the 1950s through the 1960s, and you had the heads up on what raccoon skin hides were going to be worth. See, because before the baby boomers started to watch Davy Crockett, you could buy a pelt of a raccoon for near zero. But if you understood the spending and the habits of desire for a generation coming of age that was much bigger and much wealthier than we thought, you could have made a thousand, two thousand, three thousand percent return on simple coon skin hide investments. Now, that's a silly example, but let's look at something more sincere. What happens if you were someone in the 60s and you had to decide whether you were going to buy a stock with General Motors or Ford? Well, Lee Iacocca was in charge of Ford at that time, and where somebody said, oh, there was a magic spurn of luck that Lee Iacocca just actually took the Ford Falcon and repurposed it and made it into what was going to be one of the most iconic cars in the history of the United States, the Mustang. Now, more Mustangs were sold, over $2 million a year, than 
anybody ever imagined, except for guess who? Lee Iacocca and Ford and people who studied demographics. See, because if you remember, if you're a real Mustang naturalist, you know they didn't launch the car in 1965. They launched it in 1964 and a half. Now, why would a company push so hard to get a car out a half a year early? You know why? Because Lee Iacocca knew for a fact that in 1964, the very first baby boomer, the largest generation ever seen in the history of America, was just turning 18 years old. So if you take an actual product timed perfectly with opportunity, that's the definition of success. And this example goes on and on and on because what demographics that I'm talking to you about is prescribed off of knowing about supply and demand economies, knowing about the generations and how they are big generation, small generation, big generation in alteration. Then I share with you and I learn myself that each generation and just humans have buying habits and they have characteristics. But look at this simply. You're going to sell a lot more cars in 1964, when you have 78 million people coming of age, then you are in a generation like mine that started in 1965. And I'm telling you, if you add 18 years to 65, 75, 82, what cars do you remember from 1982? The K car, the Pacer, the Yugo? See, there wasn't enough people of my generation coming of age when we were 18 at 45 million consumers to nearly touch a candle to the baby boomers that were coming of age in 1964. That's why the baby boomers are known for everything and the Gen Xers are known for relatively little. I mean, if you look at characteristics of the actual generations, you have... So many more characteristics and fads and marketing demands that revolve around the baby boomers as opposed to the Gen Xers. But it gives you insight when you look back. And if you look at the generations themselves, if you look at the silent generation when they were a relatively silent and quiet generation, I'll tell you right now that between the years of 1964 and 1984, those are very, very sleepy times. The 60s are very sleepy. The 70s are very depressing. And the 80s didn't gain momentum until we got the baby boomers coming of age. They were now going 40 years old into their primary careers, and they could spurn the economy. And then, of course, you throw gas on the fire when you have a president like Ronald Reagan that's a capitalist and conservative you throw gas on the fire when you get a president like Donald Trump that starts to deregulate and energize the economy. But here are some of the characteristics of each decade in a person's life. And listen to this, because the only leap of faith you have to take for this entire Demographics in America podcast and radio show is whether you believe that United States and other economies, their strength is predicated on primarily what their population between 40 and 60 years old is producing and doing. Because this faithful projection that I'm giving you is that a large part, more than 70% of the entire economy, is driven by people 40 to 60 years old. And this is what I mean. I mean, come on. 
in your single digits in your teens, you're really still in diapers. But by your 20s, you're at least trying to figure life out. In your 30s, you're actually getting settled into your careers, into your relationships. Now you've got some babies and kids. But in your 40s, you're actually getting productive. Now in your 50s, you're actually reaching your peak performance. In your 60s, you're actually starting to get a little bit tired. In your 70s, aside from some of these uh, presidential candidates we see, you're starting to get slow. In your 80s, you're just plain starting to get done. And that's just the reality. But in your 40s, you're getting productive. In your 50s, your performance is peaking. And this is what I've told people before, and I'll tell you. At 50 years old, which what I am, I can think faster and with more detail than a 40-year-old, but I can still run faster than 95% of the 60-years-old. And I'm peaking, and I'm telling you, as I cross through 50, it's the first time in my life I'm contemplating tired. And by my 60s, I pray to God that I'm done, and I feel sorry for those that aren't, because the majority of the economy is driven and things are decided and corporations are run in mass for individuals that are 40 to 60 years old. Moms are getting things done. Kids are growing up. Cars are getting 15, 30,000 miles a year for soccer practice. Money is being spent by people in their 40s and 60s for all of the dancing, for all of the soccer, for all of the tennis and basketball and all of the college and all of the academics and all of the family trips that have to be taken when you have the money but your kids are still home. At least 70% of the economy is driven. And how do the generations consume? Well, here's a little bit of examples around that. And I'll tell you this. This is my biggest personal example that after I read Harry Dent's book, I Had the Perfect Picture, my father was born in 1936, and he was born a lower middle class son of a fireman in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. The grocery store that the family owned went bankrupt during the Great Depression, and my grandfather actually became a volunteer and then a paid fireman and went on to be fire chief. But my dad, by the grace of God, was born in 1936, and he did not know less than 10 years later, after the war, the biggest generation was going to come behind him. And all he did is what he needed to do to get a good job, get a good education, then get a good master's degree, and he worked in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And guess what? When he bought a house in the 60s, what do you think it did? It went way up in value because the other great generation individuals that were coming back that were buying houses in the 50s and 60s and 70s, his house was becoming more valuable. So then he would go ahead and get a degree, and that degree just became more valuable because more baby boomers, supply and demand, were coming behind him and pushing the cost of education and the value up. Then, of course, he went ahead and started a business, and the value of that went up. Then he went ahead and bought general stocks in the companies he worked for, and guess what? Those went up. So everything my dad touched went up. But my oldest brother was born in 1960, a baby boomer. He's done the exact same thing as my father, but he's at the end of the generation, and almost everything he did went flat or went down. Now, I'm born in 1967, and I figured out if I can just buy things in mass before the millennials buy them, they'll go up in value. And presto, that's exactly what I did with real estate. All the real estate that I bought, in 2012, 13, 14, 15, has doubled in value because now millennials are coming to age in mass. And it's very, very important to know the characteristics of these generations. I laugh and I tell you, all of the famous individuals, if you look back to the silent generation, you have Elvis, 
John Lennon, you have Martin Luther King, you have Gorbachev in the greatest generation. You have so many, Eisenhower, Reagan, Nixon, Castro, Nelson Mandela, Rosa Parks. It goes on and on. But you have four times that in the baby boomers. The Obama, Clinton, Jeff Bezos, Clint Black, Nicholas Cage, Ben Carson, Tom Cruise, George Bush, Maria Shriver, Elton John. The list goes on and on and on. In Gen X, we basically have the cast of the Friends, you know, Jennifer Aniston and her friends. But we do have Julian Assange, you know, we got him. We got Larry Page and the founders of Google, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, we got him. But there's 7, 10, 15 times in the Millennials, the Taylor Swifts, the Leonardo DiCaprios, the Justin Biebers, the Lady Gaga, the Selena Gomez. The, the list goes on and on and on. But now imagine all of the characteristics of those generations. See, the silent generation is very, very reserved. The silent generation is very, very calculated. The greatest generation is very, very hopeful. The baby boomers are very, very smart, but they're also very spoiled. You have the Generation X that were very small, were very quiet, but were very determined. And then you have the millennials that are in the coming age of electronics. And then, of course, you've got Gen Z that is really the AI and the I generation, where they've literally grown up in all of this technology. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to come back and I'm going to wrap this all up with demographics in America and kind of share with you what can you take from this information looking forward for decisions to make for your family in real estate or financial decisions, retirement 401k or stock buying decisions, the avoidance of spending and budgeting decisions, all come together not to make a fancy subject on demographics, but to help you actually live what I hope to be debt-free approach to life and debt-free home ownership, and then having a debt-free retirement so then you can build wealth and give away more generously than any generation before you. So don't go anywhere. I'm going to wrap up Demographics in America right here on the Jay Garvin Show and Podcast. Hope all the world is in our generation. It's all left up to us to change this present situation. Come gather around people wherever you roam. The Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Mondays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back with your home mortgage best friend, Jay Garvin. We want to pop you up. For the times we have for listening to my podcast. I'm Jay. You're listening to the Jay Garvin Show and podcast, Home and Mortgage Talk. But today I'm talking about demographics in America, and I'm wrapping that up right now. Demographics in America, this is an idea spawned through the demographic books by Harry Dent. You can listen to the rest, the other three segments of my podcast. This is an abbreviation. You can go to churchillcolorado.com or iTunes or Google Play to get that. And you also can call me directly at 719-330-1457 or go to churchillcolorado.com, put your information on the right-hand side, and get a hold of me. But I've talked about my past with demographics and understanding generational consumption. And most specifically, I went through all of the details, but I'm really focusing on the baby boomers, Gen X, and the millennials 
that really carry more than 95% of our economy right now. And the bottom line up front is this. Knowing your past will equip you for the future. So if you study generations and demographics and the construct, the flow, big generation, small generation, understand the concept that the most productive people in society are 40 to 60 years old. If you simply predict what they're going to do before they do it, you become very wealthy. And if you have no idea what's going on, and in 2009 or 10 or 11, you decide to buy a house and you're frustrated because the value dropped out, then it's just a lack of knowledge because at the exact same time people were buying houses, in 2008, with no clue what was going on, I was selling all five of mine, and people were chuckling because a mortgage lender had sold himself out of all of his houses until I had to rent. I had people ridicule me in 2009 and 2010, but by 2011 and 2012, they weren't ridiculing me anymore. In 2012, I came on the air here, and I begged everybody to please stop buying foolish things and making foolish decisions and just buy real estate. I just talked to a friend of mine, Justin Hermes, today. I am myself starting to get discouraged when a 1,300 square foot 1946 home that has no upgrades at all and half the square living in the basement is selling for 375 because I bought one right in the backyard for $180,000 and now that house I have is 375 because timing, demographics, and generational consumption matters period if you decide to put your head in the sand like an ostrich that's okay and i can tell you some of the big predictions here from 1998 to 2008 was not the time to buy real estate it was the time to sell from 2012 to 2022 it's about the time to buy real estate because you have 87 million consumers the millennials that are born from 1980 to 2000 that are coming of age this year. The first millennial in 2020 is turning 40 years old. Now, they're a little bit behind the power curve because of school debt, but do you think this is going to be the first generation that doesn't fall in love, that doesn't have a baby, that doesn't buy a home, that doesn't move to the suburbs? You're, you're just sadly naive if you believe that. But see, from 2022 to 2032, it's not the time to buy real estate as much anymore because the houses are going to be at $300 to $500 a square foot in a premium. That's just a fact. See, it's going to be time to then develop land that you've already owned. And it's no wonder that I'm already purchasing land at an affordable price that will build four to six houses and help millennials get an affordable living and we'll go ahead and make a lot of money for the kingdom, for helping people in need. And I'm doing this because I've got a passion for providing affordable housing to widows, orphans, and the disabled. And today's widows are the single, divorced, working parents. The orphans are the ones that their parents have left them, or they're all working so much that they can't pay attention. And then, of course, the disabled are the disabled and the less fortunate. But some of the characteristics of the baby boomers is they live to work. They have a strong self-worth. They're loyal to each other. They're competitive. They're goal-centric. Gen X, mine, we work to live. We crave independence. We're a little bit skeptic. We're always focused on results. We're very focused on relationships. And then you've got millennials that are fully transparent, share their lives on the Internet and on the social media, the desire to make an impact. This is the whole environment and global movement. They, have, they value diversity. They love technology. And then, of course, Gen Z that's just coming of age. They are tech innate, that they know all of that. But what is the bottom line for you? How does this affect you? 
well, I could have told you in 2003 and 2004 to 2007 that the decline of airlines were coming. That's kind of an important piece of information because as the baby boomers were getting closer to retirement, they actually refused to travel as much because airlines are driven by business travel, not pleasure. Huge, huge difference between Delta and Spirit Airlines. How about the decline of the autos? Detroit fell apart not because of 9-11 or bad decisions, because there was no more baby boomers that were buying cars and there wasn't enough Gen Xers behind to suffice it. In fact, here's a great, the only companies and country that figured this out during the 90s was the Japanese company with all these rice burners from Fast and Furious, you know, with the neon lights under them and the whoppy mufflers. I'm telling you right now, that they did that to capture the next young generation of the millennials. And these are all examples. But what can you do for you in understanding this? Number two, big takeaway, sadly, today people spend more time checking their social media than they do actually researching for your finance and your future. And I suggest that you start doing it. Warren Buffett said, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. He also said, buy low and sell high. These are very simple quotes, but pack a lot of punch. How do you answer questions and quotes like that? I tell you, you do it through demographics. Because when others are greedy, you need to be fearful. 2006, it was a big mass movement of the baby boomers having the biggest push of real estate for their retirement. They just didn't know that the financial programs were hollow and the real estate was overpriced. And this is the biggest thing that I can explain to you in the Great Recession that people that listen to this podcast knew can be explained down to one simple statement. The whole Great Recession happened because it mattered not what the baby boomers were trying to sell. There was not enough of me, the Gen Xers, to buy it. I laughed in the early years of the show and I said, all of the Gen Xers are going to have to buy two or three houses in order to keep the economy going. I also laughed and said, I did my part. How much did you buy? So this demographic wave is still going to happen. The millennials are coming to age. We are going to see tremendous value in rents like we already are. We're going to see tremendous value in real estate. This boom is not going to slow down. In fact, it's not even going to hit its point of intense competition until 2023. Because if you take the largest birth year within the largest generation in the history of the world before you include all these immigrants, the 87 million millennials had 4.7 million born in 1991. The median buying age for the first time home buyer is 32. And that means 2023 is going to be the start of the hot years of real estate and go for seven years thereafter. But you've got to tune in to my show. You've got to tune into my podcast to see exactly what's going to happen next. You've been listening to The Jay Garvin Show. And as I always say, go grow and prosper. Tell someone close to you that you love them because that's what matters in the end. And if you've not found your passion, calling, and purpose in life, pray to God that he delivered to you because that's what I found in you, the podcast listener. You call me, 719-330-1457 if I can add more value to your life. And be sure to visit ChurchillColorado.com. Put your information on the right-hand side and say, Jay, Daddy-O, I want to sit down and have a great week and prosper. Come, come on, no. The proceeding was a paid program on KRDO News Radio. KRDO News Radio does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of the information contained in this program. And the views expressed do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the staff and management of KRDO News Radio.
you can go.